Kiora and welcome to NCP episode 68. My name is David and with me is my American counterpart, not a, not sidekick, counterpart, Bo. <laughs> What's up man, how's it going? <laughs> it's going good, how's it going with you? It's going pretty good, it's been the, the busiest week in retail, like if you're if you work retail, this is the week from hell. This is the week that like all year long you're dreading. And I, I, like two hours ago, I clocked out and I'm done with it. Black Friday is over for me. It's it's over. <laughs> but oh, you survived it, and now here you are, episode sixty eight. Yeah, it's all downhill from here. Oh, what? <laughs> well, I, well, I'm talking about highlight. like my work schedule. It's oh, all you, oh, your work schedule. Because oh. I said no, I said here you are with episode sixty eight. Is it? It's all downhill. Not, is, not the show. The show The show has many plateaus. It's all uphill for a nerd culture podcast. <laughs> this in the show? What the hell? <laughs> uh, so uh, as uh, our usual alternate week episodes, this uh, episode will have some news. Um, so our popcorn junkies, our Peyton and popcorn junkies, uh, a contest of champions, which are very exciting. We'll get some good feedback on those. They're awesome. Uh, and Azerothian Times, and we promise this, this segment's Azerothian Times won't be as long. Uh, and uh, coming soon in Australia and America. So let's start off with pop culture news. <laughs> First up, I've got Alan Moore has uh, once again slammed superheroes and those and the, the people that love them um, in an interview uh, on uh, IGN. It's unfortunate. <laughs> it's it's uh, Alan Moore, as uh, as, our, as our listeners uh, know, if they've been with us for a while, um, Alan Moore is my favourite comic writer uh i just i just think he's his output is unbelievably good and uh uh-huh. he, he should be cel- he deserves to be celebrated for that but uh i'm finding it harder and harder to be an alan moore fan when he keeps when he keeps saying stuff like this i mean he's basically dissing me so explain to me what what was said it, uh, it was it's not very long so i'll just actually read it out i haven't read any superhero comics since i finished with Watchmen. i hate superheroes mm. i think they're abominations they don't mean what they used to mean <laughs> They were originally in the hands of writers who would actively expand the imagination of their 9- to 13-year-old audience. That was completely what they were meant to do, and they were doing it excellently. These days, superhero comics think the audience is certainly not 9-13. to 13. It's nothing to do with them. It's an audience largely of 30, 40, 50, 60-year-old men. Usually men. Someone came up with the term graphic novel. These readers latched onto it. They were simply interested in the way that could validate their continued love of Green Lantern or Spider-Man without appearing in some way emotionally subnormal. This is a significant rump of the superhero-addicted, mainstream-addicted audience. I don't think the superhero stands for anything good. I think it's a rather alarming sign if we've got audiences of adults going to see the Avengers movie and delighting in concepts and characters meant to entertain the 12-year-old boys of the 1950s. Um, so that, that interview was actually given to The Guardian uh, as as well, promotion for Fashion Beats, which is the latest, latest comic that he brought out. So what, what do you reckon? You know, you know, there's parts of this statement that I do agree with, but it's very, it's very condescended. Like it's, it has a tone of condescending. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but I do agree with it, with the, you know, I don't feel like comic books uh, or superhero comics are written for 13 year olds anymore. No. Like it's definitely an older audience, and 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 that's a shame. I think there needs to be more kids' books. Um, but Alan Moore sure as hell ain't writing them, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Actually, I actually have to disagree. With you. I think the New Fifty Two is aimed specifically at thirteen-year-olds. Really, you think so? I yeah. mean, I, I did. I did drop most of the. I, as a matter of fact, I don't really read anything from the Big Two anymore. Um, around the time of New Fifty Two, so you may be right. I don't know. I don't hang around with a lot of young kids, so I don't know what they're into these days. But it feels like to me, like a, a lot more people I see hanging out at comic book stores are an older generation, and maybe that's just because I, I feel like kids these days are absorbing superheroes, yes, but not through comics. I think that they're going through other mediums, you know, and then the comics are kind of left now to to the you know a little bit older fans. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, the average age of a of a comic reader is, you know, what is it like twenty five, thirty, or something like that. So. And I think that's a shame. I mean, I think they should be targeting kids more. Yeah. I don't know the solution to this, but I kind of agree with that one section of his statement. The rest of his statement seems like he's saying that adults who are in the superheroes are on the same level as 12-year-old kids. And, and, and I don't know that he meant for it to sound that way, but he probably did. No, he probably he, no, he definitely, <laughs> definitely did. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's, that's actually the one, the bit that I want to talk about. I just, yeah. I just think that's incredible 
incredibly rude. For I mean, as as an adult male myself, I, I'm not ashamed to say that Spider Man's my favorite hero, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's, yeah. there's absolutely I can I can like anything I like. I mean, I I like everything from you know that runs the gamut from Alan Moore's work, you know, the distinctly adult sort of Necronomicon type stuff, you know, all mm-hmm. the way down to Runaways, which is you know designed for you know preteens audiences. I can enjoy all of that. Maybe Alan Moore is disgruntled by because he does write more adult, darker books. Yeah, and maybe he's disgruntled that the people that should be buying his books are buying superhero books instead, and so he's saying, "Well, they're all idiots because they like those over my books." <laughs> but what, what, what do you mean by should be buying his books? Why why can't they buy both? Oh well, they they might be buying both, but I'm just saying from his eyes, yeah. he sees a certain set of ratings. Um, and I don't know if ratings is the right term, but he sees that X amount of, you know, X-Men books are being sold in comparison to X amount of, you know, Sandman books or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I think it's, I think it's quite hypocritical. It's, it's, I mean, he wrote what yeah, many, what many to be. Yeah, he's criticizing his audience. Yeah, well, he's, he's criticizing his audience, you're right. But he, he wrote what's, what's considered to be one of the most influential Batman stories of all time, The Killing Joke. Oh, jeez, yeah. I mean, if, if Batman's meant to be for kids, as a superhero, Batman should be for 12-year-olds, according to his earlier statement. If that's the case, yeah. then why did he write that storyline? I mean, that's why not, did he write the killing that's joke? Not, yeah. That's not for 12-year-olds, I can assure you. So it's... <laughs> it's, I know, it's and, I mean, and, and of course, you've got Watchmen, which, I mean, Watchmen is, is a, its own sort of beast, I suppose, where it's... I mean, it was mm-hmm. quite clearly designed for adults using superheroes. But then doesn't he really have his, his himself to blame? I mean, if he wants superheroes to only be for 12-year-olds, then why did he create Watchmen, which is what is basically propelled the comic industry into the direction that it is now. I mean, yeah, without Watchmen, true. we it, wouldn't have the comics that we have today. That's true, yeah. It took a very... Now, I think the Watchmen at the time it was written was more of a satire on yeah. on superheroes. It definitely is, um, yeah. But, but, yeah, but, but, you know, there has been this trend that's came after Watchmen where we have these darker, you know, sir, you know Christopher Nolan uh, superheroes. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I just find him more and more harder to be a fan of you know what i mean i mean he'll always be one of the greatest comic writers ever and nothing can take that away but it's, I'm, I'm finding it harder and harder to be a fan of his of him you know what i mean so it's yeah. I mean, I, i'll continue i mean i own everything he's published in print i own and i'll continue to do so i'll continue to buy stuff but if it gets to the point where he's you know his disdain <laughs> sort of overcomes my appreciation for his work i think i'm gonna have to sort of call it quits which is a shame but I think he is a different, like he is a he's a different person. I don't even know how to say this. He's a different person mentally than we are. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. Every time I've ever heard an interview with him or, or anything like that, I've always thought this guy is a genius, but like can't live with normal people. Like, <laughs> he, he is so out there. Like a lot of the things he says, it just it is just so it's so weird and out there. But yet, you know, he's so brilliant at the same time. I mean, he's just. I don't know, man. He's he's on a different <laughs> level somewhere. I don't know. He is a he's genius. a space alien is what I'm saying. <laughs> he's not a space alien. <laughs> but no, I mean, he's a genius, and uh, he should be celebrated. But uh, hopefully he doesn't keep doing <laughs> any more of these interviews. But, he's, but he's also weird. Maybe he should hire a PR guy to talk for him. <laughs> yeah, a PR guy. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, there you go. That was, so that was uh, news item uh, number one. And number two, just... Uh, just a quick one, because I just thought it, would be, it, was, it was very interesting. But uh, it's old news now that Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are going to be part of Avengers 2. And yes. uh, they're going to be played by Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Um, Elizabeth Olsen is an excellent actress, and I am very excited that she got cast as, as Wanda. That's, I think it's a, a perfect match. Uh, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, take him or leave him. I mean, what's he done, really? Kick-ass and, and that Savages movie. Definitely, there should have been a European, I think, playing Quicksilver, but, yeah. I'm looking up uh, Elizabeth Olsen now. She's absolutely well, brilliant. Everything, even even the movies that she's in are crap. She's still awesome. The, but the reason I want to talk about it, though, is, is that, like I said, it is old news, um, but the reason I want to talk about it is because uh, Elizabeth, in fact, recently gave an interview where um, she was discussing The Scarlet Witch, and her research, she, did, she didn't know anything about the character, she didn't read comics, didn't do any of that sort of stuff. And so when she asked Joss Whedon, for some sort of background on the character, he gave her gave her some comics, and unfortunately, yeah. the comics that he's given her are all the Scarlet Witch's Mad comics. So everything from Avengers Disassembled onwards, which yeah. I think are all 
are all awesome. Right? I mean, I, that, don't get me wrong. I, I, actually, that's probably one of my favorite periods of Marvel history, not counting the early Spider-Man. So, it, you know, it's probably my second favorite period of Marvel history. There you go. Um, everything from Disassembled onwards. So I just think it's a shame that she now has that perception of the character. And she's actually said, you know, this character's messed up and she's whacked out. It's going to be interesting to play such a, a crazy character and stuff like that. I just, I think it's disappointing that they're going to use that version of her yeah. as the very first screen version of her. She's kind of a character that kind of has two sides to the, to the coin, you know, and, and like Joss Whedon's kind of given her one side of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, I mean, so the very first time that the that modern audiences are going to see her and know that she exists is going to be the crazy version. And unlike uh, fellow crew member Richo, who's very anti the crazy version of, of Scarlet Witch, I actually don't mind it. But in the context her of, of her earlier appearances, I mean, her earlier appearances, she's not crazy. And she eventually yeah. she becomes crazy, and I, I'm cool with that. I just, but it's just a shame that the very first version they're going to see is the crazy version. I, I just, I'm just grateful they're not going with the Ultimates three versions. They're awful. They don't say it because it's a Marvel comic, but they basically imply that they are in an incestuous relationship. And it's like, oh yes, I come remember on, that. Man. that. Yeah, yeah. Everything about Ultimate, another... everything about Ultimates three is wrong. But that's the most wrong. That's it for uh, Pop Culture News. <laughs> but uh, coming up next is Popcorn Junkies. Okay, so first up we've got Bo with Ender's Game. All right, yeah, so like I saw it like a week ago because we got it before you guys. Mm-hmm. I, read, I did read the book, and I want to preface this by saying... I hate whenever people like read a book about a movie and then they see the movie and they go, "Man, I just wasn't really like the book, and so uh, I, I really didn't like it. Uh, I thought they should have done it more like the book." And it's like, well, guess what? It took you like a month to read the book, and it took me an hour and a half to watch the movie. It's going to be a little different, you know? Like <laughs> they can't have the same development there. Um, and so that being said, I did read the book Ender's Game. I did enjoy the. I did enjoy the book. And honestly, I thought that it felt like the book, like it's a sped up version of the book. They did a lot of the same things um, in the movie that they did in the book. Some scenes were even kind of weird because they kind of made sense in the book. But then whenever I saw it in the movie, it was like it kind of felt forced. Like, uh, for example, there's a scene in the book where um, Ender's team is about to go play because they play this game in this big dome thing, which I'll explain a little bit more later. And... Just as they're about to leave the room to go do the game thing, uh, one of the characters jumps off his top bunk and sprains his ankle, and then they're faced with this decision of, well, we, we just trained everybody for this one formation. Now we got to replace this kid. Uh, you know, how are we going to do this one man down anyway? In the movie, it literally happens where they're like, all right, it's time for you to play the game. The kid jumps off the bunk, and he's like, oh, my ankle. And then <laughs> they, they get somebody to replace him. It all happens like in like 30 seconds. <laughs> it just feels so stupid. But they put it there because they were trying to, they were trying to play it you know, to the text. The, the movie is about um, – it takes place on Earth, but it's a very like grim future of Earth. And we'll set way in the future. I don't know the time frame, but I mean, you know, like Star Trek time frame, like way in the future. And Earth has been attacked by these aliens that they call buggers. That's kind of like their slain term for them. And we survived, um, but we know that they are going to attack again. And like they generations and generations have just been like, you know, not really brainwashed, but just constantly drilled in that like, the buggers are coming back. We'll be prepared. Um, they have all these like uh, you know you know posters on the wall and stuff like we'll never forget and you know we'll be ready this time and all this kind of stuff. And all the kids are kind of like trained at like a very like from birth um, to possibly become these soldiers. Um, and they're they're bred to be like almost like tactical geniuses. Like these kids are like super smart. And um, Ender, the main character of the book. He's, you know, he's been part of this process just like every other kid. But Harrison Ford's character is trying to pick out who um, who would be like a ruthless leader, like someone that could go beyond what the other kids can do. Um, and so they, they keep watching Ender and they decide that he's the kid for some reason. Has, has it got um, the scene, sorry, has it got the scene where he, where he almost kills that kid, like beats him yes. up? Yes. Oh, OK, cool. Yes, Sweet. yes. Awesome. Yeah. And I don't want to reveal too much about the ending, but 
that scene is there. The other scene on the, like, whenever he's on the ship and he does it to another kid. Mm. But they never, so if you read the book, there's a there's a little bit more to that conclusion. You find out that Ender might possibly be a killer and not realize it. They never bring that up in the movie. Yeah. They show him beating the kids up, but then that's it. But anyway, you got to watch the movie to find out. <laughs> I don't want to give you any spoilers. But uh, it's, it's hard to do this without spoilers. Hmm. Um, but in you know in the book, it's very close. Like It starts the same way. That whole fight sequence at the beginning of the book happens. Um, he gets shipped off to the school. He meets Bean, goes through the whole process at the school. They play the games, uh, the games where they shoot each other. They float around in this big disc, and then they shoot each other, and they freeze in the part they shoot each other. And... Um, Ender comes up with all these clever ways to beat the other teams that, like, the other teams never thought of. And then at the end of it, they're actually in, like, their final trading for, you know, becoming, you know, the ultimate, you know, generals or whatever they're going to do. And I can't spoil the ending, but it happens exactly how it does in the book. Only in the book, the very ending of the movie, like, the final scenes of the book is way more detailed, and I thought way better than the final scenes of the of the movie it's hard to explain why without explaining the ending so i'm just gonna say it's definitely worth watching it's a good movie Mm. if you've never read the book you you'll enjoy the movie it's not like there's going to be kind of any inside stuff you're not going to get or anything like that they play it so close to the book that you don't necessarily need to read the book after watching this movie it's really close um but i felt like the ending of the book was more gratifying than the ending of the movie um, because just some details that I personally liked, not really important details to the actual story, but just some details that I really liked, they kind of left out. Um, but it's a good it's a good ending. I would give it a four out of five. Yeah. I don't know if that's the highest rating I've given anything so far, but yeah. I really thought it was a really good movie. I'll probably buy this movie. It's still missing some stuff that I thought the book the book handled better. So let's follow on from your statement that you probably buy this movie. So it's obvious there's a bit of. There's obviously a lot of controversy with Ender's Game. We've d- we've discussed it on the show multiple times. Um, yeah. So you said you were going to send you were going to see it with uh, your <laughs> uncle and your friend. <laughs> I didn't get to. I didn't get uh, to go see it with them. Okay. So um, there's uh, there was you know there's a lot of controversy. People were boycotting it. So not only did you go and see it at the cinema, so you paid to see it at the cinema. You loved it. You're actually going to buy it when it's released. This is money. Well, you this, know, this money that's going to Orson's Got Card. How do you feel about that? I think this is a good enough movie to buy, but I hear you. The whole Orson Scott card thing, I mean, I don't agree with anything he says, and I don't know how much of that money he actually gets from the purchase of it. Yeah. I mean, I figure they pay him something to use his story, and then it's done with. Yeah. Like Legendary or whoever gets the money after that, I would think. I don't. I have no idea, though, so don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, like, he obviously would have gotten a, an upfront payment, but he also, as a producer... He would he would get income. From I think the he also itself. gets residuals. Yeah, but I mean, but either either way, regardless, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't agree with everything he's anything he said. I think he's a complete douche. But I've, you're not the only one I've heard saying that the movie's good. So I'm going to check it out based on why. Sh- I mean, why should Legendary suffer? I mean, they've gone to the effort to make a good film. And then- yeah, my my review is solely based on just it's it's a good movie. Yeah, if there's yeah. any kind of like if you feel like you don't want to support it, and you know, I completely. Agree with that cause. Don't go see it. it it's but it's but it's pretty good. Yeah, cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I definitely want to see it now. I, I probably won't cinema it, but uh, I'll definitely check it out at some point. Awesome. Cool. Nice. Good review. Thanks. Thanks, dude. Okay. So uh, my my review is going to be on the Lone Ranger. Uh, now it's been it's been out for a while, but uh, I was finding it difficult to to pick a film to do, and uh, I recently rewatched this, um, so I thought I'd do it on that and. Part of the reason I wanted to do it is because I just think it needs some love. <laughs> so I think it's been unfairly uh, ostracized and canned, and uh, it's by no means a perfect film, uh, but it definitely doesn't deserve the, the hatred that's been thrown to it. Uh, so The Lone Ranger is a, is a Disney film. It stars um, Johnny Depp and Arnie Hammer. I think it's interesting that on the poster, Johnny Depp gets first billing, even though he's technically a secondary character but oh uh it's uh directed by gore verbinski and um and it's basically pirates of the caribbean as a western um that's essentially what it is and that was part of the criticism that was put a level towards it that johnny depp is essentially playing um captain jack sparrow um as an indian and yeah you can kind of you, you can kind of agree with that it's pretty hard to disagree with that um but captain jack's such an awesome character that that's really not that bad a thing 
like I said, it's I think it's un, it's unfairly treated. It's it, it's it's and it's not perfect. It is it's way too long. I mean, it's two and a half hours, and it could easily cut a good half hour out of that film and not be a worry, especially secondary characters like um, the like Red, the the prostitute girl with the with the shotgun leg. It's like yeah, this character really doesn't really mean anything, and then it also suffers from it is it's 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 over reliance on special effects, especially the the horse uh, Silver. Um, he does quite quite a lot of like jumping stunts and stuff like that, which would be far too dangerous and let's face it, practically impossible for real. And so they CGI, and it just looks terrible. Um, it also has some CGI rabbits that some of the worst CGI rabbits I've ever seen in my life. The monster's ink fur looks looks more realistic than the fur on these rabbits. It's ridiculous. But, <laughs> um, how, many, how many CGI rabbits have you seen? I've seen lots of CGI rabbits. Um, I, I dream of CGI rabbits. Uh, and it also has uh, one too many train crashes. It, de- it deals a lot with the creation of uh, the trains in the, the, the Old West. And uh, it has a train crash at the start of the film, but then it has a train crash, the inevitable train crash at the end of the film. And it's like, ugh, you really didn't need the first one. But in its, in its defense, it's, um, it's funny. Arnie Hammer does a, a great job as uh, the Lone Ranger, I thought. I'm, I, people, he's, people have leveled that he's, uh, he's quite bland. I, disagree totally i mean he's, he's bland in comparison to johnny depp obviously who steals every scene that he's in but he still does a, a remarkably good job to sort of keep up i recommend it it's a good you know family family friendly fun and uh, probably not i mean it's not up there with the first pirates movie but it's definitely better than every other pirates movie so if you're into that sort of thing and you like johnny depp and his performances um then check it out the, the, just the last, the, the last thing, the criticism that was leveled against it is that it's uh, racially insensitive to the American Indians. I don't see that at all. Uh, maybe you have to be an American Indian to to get that. I don't know. I don't think Johnny Depp's performance is. In fact, I actually think it's the opposite. It celebrates the American Indians and their and their life and their culture. I, uh, so to finish up, uh, I give it three out of five looks. So, so what you're saying is it's like watching a train wreck from the beginning to the end? <laughs> it's just not that bad. <laughs> but the, the end sequence does go on for a long time, and it's just full of all those sort of pirates-type, you know, stunt gags. Uh, but I, I like them. I like that sort of stuff, so, you know, I'm cool with it. Cool. So that's our uh, Popcorn Junkies. Coming up next is the Contest of Champions. Ladies and gentlemen... This iteration of Contest of Champions was Beyond Bo's pick, and uh, he picked Astonishing X-Men versus Justice League Dark. Why'd you go with that team up, dude? We had so much fun doing Fantastic Four versus The Incredibles um, because they were a team, and we could kind of like pick. Like It was almost like a game. It, it almost felt like we were playing Magic the Gathering or something. Like It was like, <laughs> you know, it was like my pawns versus your pawns. Yeah. Uh, and then and then we figure out how to team them up against each other and then see who wins. Um, so I wanted to do something with Astonishing X-Men just because it's a team that I know very well. And uh, and then we were bouncing ideas off of each other, and you suggested Justice League, but that's way too one-sided. Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking, well, Justice League Dark is kind of a more X-Men-esque you know, Justice League. Yeah, Although totally. they are pretty strong, I feel like the X-Men have beat people equally as strong in the past. So... Um, I, I still am picking the side of X-Men. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, well, I'll go with Justice League Dark. Um, so on the the Astonishing X-Men, so we're going to go with the team members that were present during issues one to six for both teams. Um, so okay. uh, for the Astonishing X-Men, we've got... We have Cyclops, Emma Frost, Beast, Kitty Pride, and Lockheed, Colossus, and Wolverine. For Justice League Dark... Uh, I've got John Constantine, Dead Man, Madame Xanadu, Shay the Changing Man, Zatanna, and uh, I chucked Mind Warp, Mind Warp in there as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to ask you questions on some of these Justice League Dark powers, but okay. I uh, I called upon all my geeks that work with me at at, uh, at the place that I work that shall remain nameless, <laughs> and uh, they 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 think that the X, Astonishing X Men is gonna win. They gave me. They did like a. Uh, basically, we did like a, uh, like a roster. Yep. You know how, like, whenever you're doing like a championship, you say this person versus this person. This person wins, and they narrowed it all the way down where you know it, it results in in a final champion. 
Okay, cool. Well, I've, I've done a similar thing. I've done a similar thing in, in sort of story form because that's basically how I write stuff. Um, so what I'll do is I'll read through mine of how I think the actual entire fight will go and then you jump in with your arguments. So I'll read out how, this is how I think the, the actual fight would go from start to finish. Now, the, the scenario, because um, I think it's, it works better with a scenario, Felix uh-huh. Faust has mystically brainwashed the X-Men into thinking that the JLD are mutant hunters and are trying to kill them. So it's a nice and simple scenario. Let's not make it too complicated. Um, so and we're in the, the environment is we're in a city. So we'll say we're in um, San Francisco because that's where the X Men are. We'll, we'll give this the X Men a hometown advantage. Yeah, the home, home, home yeah. field advantage. Home yeah. field advantage. So the X Men attack first. Constantine steps back out of the fight into the shadows just so he can watch for a while because that's what John does. Um, and I've got the fight going like this. Emma tries to shut down all of their minds all in one go because Emma doesn't muck around. Uh, Shade resists the the mind manipulation because that's what you can do that sort of stuff, uh, and it also and it gives Mind Warp the chance to t- to retaliate, and Emma and Mind Warp start a f- psychic bal- battle, but Mind Warp is no match for Emma, so uh, Emma wins and Mind Warp is out of the game. Lockheed attacks because uh, he's very in, you know, impetuous, so he's, uh, he jumps in there, but uh, Madame Xanadu is just is is delighted to because Madame Xanadu comes from the uh, Camelot days so she's been around for that long like kin arthur and stuff like that and so she's delighted to see Lockheed as a dragon she's like oh my god it's a dragon but it's such a you're <laughs> such a tiny you're a tiny little dragon so she transforms him into a wow dragon like a dragon dragon you know what i mean um and takes takes him over so uh, mind control she she uses him to incinerate wolverine so in one hit fire blast all his flesh is taken off his skeleton so he's basically just a skeleton left of course, he survives because he's Wolverine, but he's out. Essentially, he's out of the fight. Cyclops is forced to knock Lockheed out with an optic blast. So, Madame Xanadu wins. Uh, Wolverine and Lockheed are out of the fight. Next up, Beast attacks Shade, uh, but Shade uses his vest to alter Beast's perceptions. Uh, Beast though is is quite smart though, so he's not he's not silly enough to fall for the sort of illusion changing because he's gone up against Proteus. So let's when you've gone up against Proteus, you've gone up against the best. So he's he's not fooled, but he is made ill from the effects because the vest also does that sort of stuff. He manages to get in close, but Shade's vest has a force field, so that protects him. Uh, Kitty uh, joins the fight and phases. Uh, her hand through Shade's head, which is because he's able to get through the armor and knock Shade out. But because Shade is insane and the vest augments his insanity, it also knocks Kitty out. So Beast wins, but both Shade and Kitty are out. Colossus uh, attacks Zatanna, but she uses her power to turn to turn him out of his armor form into his flesh form. So which then gives Dead Man a chance to possess him. When he uses uh, uh, Colossus, he basically rearms up and attacks Cyclops and Emma. Colossus slash Deadman is about to hit Cyclops, so Emma diamonds up and absorbs the blow, um, which has, causes her no damage. And Cyclops then blasts Colossus unconscious, and Deadman then leaves his body. Constantine, but then, then Constantine, see, seeing Emma turn diamond, makes his move. He steps out of the shadow and throws a a mystically enhanced crystal right at Emma between the eyes, which shatters her. So he's smart enough to watch the battle and he also knows that that's her only weakness in diamond form. So she can't. So she shatters into a million pieces. That takes Emma out. Cyclops took Colossus out, so Colossus is out as well. So Emma and Colossus are out. Zatanna, Deadman and Constantine are the winners that round. Final round. Beast and Cyclops team up. You know, classic back-to-back sort of deal. Cyclops tries to blast Satana, but John pushes her out of the way. Uh, Deadman possesses Cyclops and attacks Beast, who easily dodges Cyclops' attacks, but doesn't want to hit back because he doesn't want to hurt Scott. Madame Xanadu wakes up the still heavily damaged Wolverine, so he's actually healed enough for now, but she's but she wakes him up and casts an illusion to make him believe that Beast is actually trying to attack Scott and he's some sort of demonic creature. So Wolverine goes into a berserker rage and attacks Beast, but Beast manages to t- easily take him out. I mean, Beast could beat him in a fight most of the time anyway, but he's heavily damaged and so takes him out. So because uh, he's easily distracted because he doesn't want to get killed by a berserker rage Wolverine, the dead man possessed Cyclops manages to get a blast in and uh, hits both Beast and Wolvie and knocks them both out. Deadman leaves Scott, who is then knocked out by a, from a spell from Zatanna. 
The Astonishing X-Men lose. Justice League Dark win. Okay, so now that you're done with your story. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you just told a story where like, the Astonishing X-Men stood still while the Justice League Dark just killed them all. Okay? <laughs> so you're going to say how it really went down. Yeah, so this is how it really happens. Um, I don't have any. I don't have an elaborate story or anything. But okay. you started the story as like well, they they start to fight. Like that's so general. <laughs> I think that they would go into it with a plan. Right. And while they don't know those characters, they're from two different you know franchise universes, right? So they don't know each other. Mm-hmm. If if I were if I were to use them, if I were to give them a plan, like here's what they're going to do to defeat the other team. Emma Frost would psychically, she would subdue not everybody. Like, you had her trying to get everybody at once. Yeah. I think that she knows that she would be more effective subduing the two most powerful. You know, it would be hard for her to get two people at once if she's doing Mind Warp and Zatanna. Yeah. Because Mind Warp is another psychic. Emma and and uh, Mind Warp would have to, like, have this whole psychic battle going on. Yeah. Like, yeah. trying to, you know, mash each other's brains into just mush. And and I don't know who wins in the outcome of that because I'm not really as familiar with uh, the Justice League Dark team. But, you know, that's – so I would, I would pair them up. Okay. Now, originally my plan was to somehow uh, – I wanted to somehow – I did a lot of research today on on the negative zone. And my original plan was if there was some way that Beast could just, you know, just chunk a a few of them into the negative zone somehow. (laughs) (laughs) And and the only way the only way that I found was from from Civil War. They had the 50 state initiative, which was where which was not the same as the real 50 state initiative. But it was (laughs) the uh, they all had a portal to the um, to the negative zone. Because of um, they were doing, they were locking up the superheroes in the negative zone prison thing. So I'm thinking if Beast, again, this is based on the idea they knew they were going into this. If Beast, you know, could somehow use that to just throw Zatanna into the negative zone, you know, that would take care of her. But why would, he target, why like, would he target Zatanna though? Because she's the next strongest in the group. But he doesn't know that. Doesn't, right, I know. I mean, that's why our scenario is different. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so Beast throws Satana into the negative zone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, and then we have Shade and Colossus. I wonder if Emma could alter Colossus's mind so that he could actually see what's really going on and not what the vest is portraying. And yeah, in maybe, that yeah. scenario, Colossus is just stronger. He'd be able to get through um, the force field. Do you think? What's that? Shade's vest has a force field as well. So oh, it's a force field as so well. Colossus would get through the vest. Uh, well, I'm, not, no, I'm agreeing with you. I think Colossus would be able to get through the vest. And plus, I don't also, know how the like, force field works. Yeah, well, it's just a force field. But it's not that powerful. I mean, Colossus would get through it. I, I agree with you. Um, and also, Colossus has experience fighting Proteus, so it's he wouldn't really be that affected. So if you had Emma enhancing him, um, he'd yeah. easily take Shade out. So I'll give you that. Now, they were saying Wolverine and Constantine. I think Beast Constantine, because some... The smartest person in the group has to has to go up against Constantine. Otherwise, he's just going to con whoever. But he's he's okay. too busy throwing Satana into the negative zone. Yeah, I know he is throwing. That's going to take all his concentration because she can kill him with a word. I had another idea for Satana. Okay. So my other idea for Satana, and, and I just backed off of this because I feel like Emma could not could not literally do mind warp and Satana. Yeah. Um, but my other idea was, what if Emma made Satana? say everything backwards so that even whenever and she didn't realize it so that even whenever she is trying to say her words backwards she's saying them forwards <laughs> <laughs> she can't cast anything <laughs> i think that could work and i'm willing uh, and I'm, I'm willing to go with that i mean the, the the major the major argument we've got with this fighter is is that the teams don't know each other and so they wouldn't know who to go out i mean obviously you're right i mean emma would as the most powerful X-Men would have to take out the most powerful Justice League in Zatanna, but they don't know that they're the most powerful. But I think your yeah. plan works perfectly because Emma would know. So if we if we go back to what I did before, so my first thing was that she actually just tries to knock them all out in one go. What Instead, instead of doing that, what if she just scans them all and finds out exactly mm-hmm. who is the most dangerous? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I like I like that. I, I wish, we'll go with that. So she scans them, realizes Zatanna's the most powerful, does the backwards speaking thing, 
which is good, which is awesome. I think that's awesome. All right, we'll go with that. Which then makes it easy for Beast to ta- slap her into the neutral zone, which now means Beast is now able is now got time to go up against Constantine. All right, let's go with that. So who am I missing? Who have I not dealt with? Uh, Madame Xanadu, John. Yeah, John. John is the hard one, man. Yeah. I think that the only way that you can you can beat John Constantine is if you somehow trick him into thinking that he wins. Like, you know, your point on our list here was that John Constantine never loses, yeah. right? <laughs> so I was trying a, to figure out a way to do that. I've got, a, I've got the actual way for you to win. We can actually make the Astonished X-Men win. You're, you're a genius. All right. <laughs> Go ahead with it. Emma tricks Shade into using his vest to alter reality to make it look like for John to think that the Justice League Dark have won when really yeah. they're all knocked out. And he's the last this man is, standing. This so is all based on Emma Frost then. Like, yeah. the, the Astonishing X-Men would be nothing without Emma. <laughs> so, yeah. well, there we go. I, went, I walked into this thinking Justice League Dark wouldn't even break a sweat. But you uh, very cleverly have uh, twisted it all around. I think, I think you've got this one. I'm going to ask my co-workers every week from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Your co-workers didn't come up with that one. I just, it's, it's, it, you, you <laughs> yeah, said, I know, I know. That's Emma, true. Emma tricks John. So, well, that was an absolutely fascinating concert of champions. I actually think this is our best one. I think so. I, I, think I walked so. into it cocky as thinking, I've got this for sure. <laughs> no way I can lose this. But, I feel uh, like... I feel like you pick based on who's actually going to win, and then I pick based on like my heart. Like I'm like, well, I really like this team better. I want them to pull through. I'm, you're you're like the you're the you're the fair weather fan, and I'm like the rainy day fan. You know what I mean? I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> it's a football. It's a football term, and I couldn't pretend to know that I knew what it was because I don't watch football. This guy. <laughs> well, well done, dude. All right. Well, there, there we go. We're we're officially calling the astonishing X Men as the winners. So. Um, let us know what you th- what you think if you uh, if you think Bo Bo was right and the Science and X Men have won it then uh, let us know if you think it was think the whole thing was rigged. Right <laughs> 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 in voice your displeasure. The, if in fact if I get a single bit of feedback saying that Justice League Dark should have won, I'm going to just retroactively change this episode. <laughs> Go back to Justice League Dark. Well done, man. Victory. Good work. It's gonna be it's gonna be one of those. Um like where you edit in, it's just going to be, and the winner is Justice League Dark. <laughs> <laughs> it completely changes the voice. It is definitely what it's going to be. Cool. Coming up next, we've got Azerothian Times. First up in Azerothian Times, we've got more garrison details have been announced. I'm very excited about these garrisons. I'm going to get one the second it's released. I'm going to get one. So we were we were talking about how in the in the previous episode we were talking about how we were hoping that it was going to work like Star Wars, whereas you got the NCPs that go off and do stuff for you while you go yeah. to level or whatever you go to a dungeon or whatever. Um, they've, they've confirmed that is actually how it's going to work, which is brilliant. So they are now awesome. do all your trade stuff. But what I think was actually even the coolest thing about it is that these guys actually level as well. So you can got yeah. you've got different different sort of quality followers so they'll be called followers so you've got you know you see your uncommon common followers and stuff and as well as your rare followers and stuff which is awesome and even cooler is if you send one of them on a mission that involves going into a dungeon they'll go to the dungeon and there's a possibility that they can in fact get captured by the enemy while they're in that dungeon and you've got to go to the dungeon to save them So if you listen, oh my god! So they go to the dungeon, they get captured. You get a, you get something in the mail saying, "Hey, we, we, we've got your man. We're going to ransom him off." And so then you have to go. You have to queue for that dungeon or go to the dungeon if you can get to it or whatever. And then while you're in that dungeon, where you have to get your follower back. Oh my god, that's awesome! That is magnificent. Whoever whoever was part of the development team that designed that, you're a genius. But uh, that is really cool. Yeah. I had heard that I had heard that like um, you could send them off to run dungeons and stuff, and some like to send them to do a quest, it, it may take a day. Yeah, and then you could send them to do dungeons and things that may take seven days. Yeah, like, yeah. If you send them you off could, to do something like yeah, that. Yeah, depending on the quest and where they have to go and stuff. I mean, if they have to go to Black Rock, let's face it, you're not going to see them for a week. So it's <laughs> it's pretty. And it's, that's still it's, faster than doing it in real life. <laughs> Come on, you can clear Black Rock in an hour and a half. 
awesome stuff and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and all the rest of it, everything else that we said about how you how you said that it was all instance and stuff like that that's all true followers follow your character's progression you can you can equip your garrison with barracks and stuff like that oh. it kind of reminds me of uh and this is on, on, on purpose 100 percent, but it reminds me of uh warcraft like you know the rts warcraft yeah it kind of feels like i wonder if we're actually going to have to make them go like you know chop down wood and, and stuff like that yeah i don't know if they're doing that or not but yeah. it seems like because i did hear him say something it wasn't the currency wasn't just going to be gold like there there's going to be you may need you know wood or something uh in order to build different parts to your garrison so i mean how yeah. else would you get that unless you had to send you know, workers to go cut down trees, right? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not gathering wood like while I'm out killing stuff. And God, I hope they make that noise. The or- what's the, <laughs> the noise the orcs yeah. make? Work, 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 work. <laughs> <laughs> it's work, a must. And also, you can also equip them, so you equip them with gear and weapons, and they have their own character and shit and stuff. This this is awesome. Like, I'm so looking forward to this brand because that's that's one of the best things about the Star Wars MMO. One of the things they mm-hmm. got right is the companion that follows you around everywhere, and they are a character. I mean, they're a character of their own right. You can even romance them. You give them gifts and stuff. And you fall in love and stuff. It's brand <laughs> stuff. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to the garage and stuff. I don't want to fall in love with my orc, my my, my orc helper. Oh, that's just uh, racist. What's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> it's not easy being green. <laughs> Uh, so that's the garrison. So yeah, I mean, more details will pop up as we go, I suppose. But I'm looking forward I've, to it. There's been some negativity. There's people sort of saying like, "Well, Wales, but essentially becoming Farmville." What do you reckon about that? Well, I was going to say like uh, that's what they said whenever the farms were invented, and I didn't do my farm at all. Like I didn't even do the starting quest to get my farm. And um, now that they've talked about this garrisons thing, and they said it was based off of how successful the farm has been. I've been farming, dude. I've got my plots like filled out. Like I did that before we did the show today. I was like, I got to do the show, but I got to go plant some. I got to go plant my crops before I do the show today. The tillers are getting hungry, man. Um, the new announcements from BlizzCon has has like you know reinvigorated you know what I like about WoW, and now I'm anticipating all this coming out. But even just the game itself, like it's made me more excited for what we have now. I think this is going to bring a lot of subscribers back. Like a lot of people are talking about. You know the the dropping of subscribers, but this is going to change the game so dramatically mm. that old WoW players are going to have to come back and see, you know, what this is all about. Yeah. And not only that, but you know, with the instant level ninety thing, which you know leads into our next topic, the instant level ninety thing that's totally designed for new players. Like mm. to me, this is a sign that Blizzard is is not about to abandon you know World of Warcraft. The level 90 instant thing, to me, means that they're planning on exceeding, you know, just bringing back their old players. They want to bring in new players, too, and, and that's what that's all about. Yeah. And you have some details on what leveling from 90 to 100 is going to look like, and I'm actually really curious about this. I haven't read too much about it. So basically what it is, at 90, you can go through the portal, the dark portal, and the dark portal will be changed to reflect its original version. So the dark, so the dark portal will still exist. It'll be the same one that you go through in the Blasterlands in order to go to Outlands. Outlands, but, yeah. But instead, it'll 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 be look different if you're level ninety, and um, and it depending on whether you're Alliance or Horde, you start in certain areas. So it'll be kind of like Pandaria, how the which each faction started on a, on each certain part of the island. Mm-hmm. So if you're Alliance, you start at Carabor in Shadow Moon Valley. The uh, Horde start at Bladesbyre Fortress in Frostfire Ridge, which is um, on the other side. I mean, and eventually, it's gonna, it's they're gonna lean more towards the working together sort of aspect because I mean, you're starting yeah. separate areas, and it's you know, I hate Horde, I hate Alliance, that sort of business. But the real enemy is the Iron Horde, so it's the original, the original demon possessed orcs. And so, yeah, you, I mean, you, we're basically gonna have to team up at some point in order to take them down. The the soul eating blood drinking kind of orcs. Yeah, not the thrall happy go lucky orcs. <laughs> no, not, not not the not the work work <laughs> orcs. <laughs> um, and uh, Draenor will have uh, res. It'll be it's very they're very much going with the timeless isle mold. So you have the res rare spawns and you know special scenario type stuff and you know all that sort of business. And just to just to finish up with Azeroth in times, Blizzard have. Um, 
a long history of creating uh, pets, you know, vanity pets and uh, vanity mounts that serve no function in the game at all. But people buy them like myself because we're idiots because we just got to we got to collect them all. Uh, but this time they've actually uh, they've done something pretty great where they've created uh, a new pet called the Ultrac Brew Pup um, and a new mount called the Enchanted Fey Dragon, which looks ugly as hell but has this awesome feature that it changes <laughs> color. So if you just sit there. Um, it just it eventually it'll cycle through different colors and stuff looks awesome um, and what's good about it is that you can either buy them separately or you can buy them together as a bundle and whether you buy them separate or as a bundle either way uh, a certain percentage I think it's, it's like five dollars of that goes to the Make-A-Wish charity um, which is an awesome charity and uh, it's well worth supporting so I bought it on day one because I'm an idiot but so I didn't know it, I didn't know it changed colors yeah, if you just sit there and watch it, it'll change colors. Because I was trying to decide, I was like, I want to buy one, and every color, I, every time I saw a picture of it, it was a different color, so I was like, do I want to get the blue one? Do I want to get the purple one? <laughs> no, it cycles. So it's kind of like, it's not, as cool, it's not as cool as the tree pet. There's a pet you can get that is basically just a tree, and he changes color depending on what the season is in real life. So if it's, oh, that's pretty if cool. it's autumn, his leaves will be autumn-y and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but this one, this one's... It's like a minute rotation, I, I I think, and it's blue, green, red. That's it, Frazerothian Dimes. Coming up next, we've got Coming Soon. Coming Soon is the segment where we talk about films that are coming up in the next next week. Um, I'll talk about the Australian releases. Bo will have the American releases because now because we're, we're international here at NCP. Uh, so in Australian cinemas on December fifth, we get Ender's Game. Funnily enough, which. Bo highly recommends, so go check it out. Uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, which I'm not interested in in the slightest, although... I highly recommend. Cloudy, really? <laughs> yeah? Have you seen it? Uh, no, I haven't seen it, but it sounds like science to me. <laughs> well, one's, you know, it's sweet in a in a you know saccharine, cartoony way, but I wouldn't go rushing out to see it. Uh, the Delivery Man, which I'll be avoiding at all costs, because it's Vince Vaughn and rubbish. I just can't stand that guy. The delivery man looks a little funny. I don't know. Yeah, I avoid. I mean, he plays. He plays a dude who he, he basically fathers like two hundred children because it from a, yeah because he was he was a, basically a sperm bank when he was younger because he needed the money and then decides to then go and become part of their lives. It's like, how is this comedy? That's creepy. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> and, and then uh, and Homefront, like I said, which I don't know anything about. Unless, do you know anything about Homefront? No, I don't know anything about sounds it. Like, sounds like some dodgy spy anti-terrorist tv show or something I don't know. who knows so american releases uh american releases for friday december 6th uh we have out of the furnace white reindeer which judging by the cover looks like it's maybe about uh cocaine i don't know <laughs> um <laughs> Wait, what's it called white reindeer <laughs> yeah i thought it was a christmas white movie reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> well uh, the front of the movie has unless i'm just reading too much into this it has lines of cocaine, and they're straightened out in such a way that they look like a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have the last days on Mars. Uh, let me click on that so I can see if it's a no. It's not a not a cartoon. This is a legit movie. That looks kind of cool. What do you mean legit co- movie? Cartoons are legit movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you true, mean it's live like action? It. Is that what you say? All right, Mister Mister Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. <laughs> so you are you um, are you biased against cartoon feature films? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, no. Did I'm, you I'm cry down. at the start of Up? Oh man, I cannot say that on the air. Why not? Uh, expecting uh, is a movie that people are expecting. But <laughs> uh, swerve, we've got coming out. It's a thriller. Yeah. Uh, Crave, a thriller. A Journey to Planet Sanity. Let me look at the cover of this. I have not heard looks... of any of these titles. Yeah, I don't, I don't know them either. Uh, this movie looks terrible. A Journey to Planet Sanity. It looks like a comedy. And Inside Lewin Davis. This is an Ethan Cohen film. Inside L-L-E-W-Y-N Davis. Uh, that's the only film on that list that I actually know. That's a pretty interesting mix. I didn't know any of those. All on the one any... day. That's, a, that's freaky. 
You want me to go to the next Friday and see if there's No, no, that's, we'll, we'll do it. Okay, there's the White Radio one. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued. He has one of those Sundance film <laughs> award things <laughs> on the front. It's like those bestseller books that get those little bestseller stamps. It's like, geez, <laughs> they give out 200 of these a year. I don't get how there's so many of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or that's part of the Oprah Book Club. Cool. All right, well, let's finish up. You can check us out on our website at www.nerdculturepodcast.com or you can contact us at feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com uh, You can also contact us on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook is just forward slash nerdculturepodcast and Twitter is at nerdculturecast because there's a there's a letter limit and I couldn't have podcasts in there. Very disappointing, but hey, what can you do? Uh, you can also contact us on Skype at nerdculturepodcast. See, they had enough letters in their name. Bloody Twitter. And you can also rate and review us on the iTunes. Um, I'm thinking of doing like Stitcher and all that sort of business. I don't know. I'll think about it. Podmatic and stuff. I've been doing some research. I don't know. Anyway, I'm rambling. And don't forget, we're also an Amazon affiliate. So check us out on the website. And uh, there's a little widget there. Buy stuff through Amazon. People have been buying stuff. Somebody took advantage of the Black Friday deals and bought a whole bunch of movies. So whoever you are, you rock. Uh, we, yeah. Yeah, bloody awesome. So we, um, we get a get it uh, cut of the profits and uh i'm gonna i'm just gonna tell you a bit of feedback we got some feedback it was awesome uh i found out who was buying we mentioned that somebody was buying all the fables trades and i found out who that was and i didn't actually ask permission to say their name so i won't say their name but i found out who and i actually emailed because we mentioned it on the show and so they emailed in and said yeah it was me i bought all those fable trades and uh he said uh it's my mission it's my mission to enable uh all the crew to go out for a happy meal <laughs> so he wants to make us enough money so that we can afford to go to Macca's for Happy Meals, which is... Uh, well, they got that dollar menu now, you know? No, no, he specifically said Happy Meal, and they're like six bucks each. <laughs> so that's right. So we need to make $24 so we can go to Macca's. So, so a huge thank you to uh, that person, and you know who you are. And if you want to hear more of Yun Bo and his uh, comedy genius, him and the boys at uh, ECN Radio, what's the address there, Bo? ECNRadio.com. And uh, if you want to hear both of us, uh, you can check us out on Film Flams, which is our side project together at uh, www.filmflams.com. Our latest one was Crocodile Dundee for a bit of Australiana. Cool. Well, that's it. That's uh, it for episode 68. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Bo. Work, work. (laughs) And, And me, David. Thank you very much. Bye.